0: gathered in love and service for justice and peace.
1: I'm trying to accept the fact that this depression may never fully pass. And I'm not sure as to what to do with such a discouraging thought. I walk along the Charles River tonight, spending this time alone, thinking of my life now and what is ahead. I ask myself why I am here. And I've come to the conclusion that I have never been able to feel real joy. What would make me happy and allow for me to feel the meaning in this life? I cannot even begin to imagine. The concept of happiness is beyond my grasp. I wake up in the mornings and dread the days ahead. I go through the motions of what is expected. I smile my smile to get by in this life. But this is not living. I am merely existing. I enjoy the nighttime as I feel that I can be by myself. During the days, the sun shines so brightly. The days are longer. The grass begins to turn greener. And the flowers blossom one by one. I know I am supposed to feel the joy of the spring and appreciate all that is around me. But for some reason, no matter how hard I try, I can't. I walk along the Charles River tonight, feeling at one with the darkness that surrounds me. There is no need to pretend, as the sun is not shining, and the moon expects nothing but silence.
2: April is the cruelest month, breeding lilacs out of the dead land mixing memory and desire, stirring dull roots with spring rain. Winter kept us warm, covering earth in a forgetful snow, feeding a little life with dried tubers. So begins T.S. Eliot's epic poem, The Wasteland. Published in 1922, in the wake of the devastation of World War II, And following his own nervous breakdown, Eliot goes on to describe a world that even the face of springtime has lost all hope. Here is one variation on the signs of depression. A persistent, sad, anxious, or empty mood. Difficulty falling asleep or staying asleep or sleeping more than usual. Reduced appetite, weight loss, or increased appetite, weight gain. Restlessness, irritability. Difficulty concentrating or remembering things or making decisions. Fatigue or loss of energy. Loss of interest in or pleasure in once enjoyable activities. Feeling guilty, hopeless, or worthless. Thoughts of death or suicide. If you experience five or more of these symptoms for two weeks or longer, you too may be among the 19 million North Americans who are in the wasteland of clinical depression right now. This sermon was co-created by several members of Arlington Street Church who want you to know that you are not alone and that there is hope here. Here is one of their voices. I have struggled with depression for as long as I can remember. In the sixth grade, I wanted to die. At the age of 17, I attempted suicide by overdosing on sleeping pills. I was brought to the emergency room that afternoon and hospitalized on the psychiatric unit for several weeks. Since that time, I have been hospitalized more than 50 times. I have spent summers in supervised residential programs. I spent time in a therapeutic school for troubled adolescents. I have attempted suicide several times and have landed in the ICU as a result. And I have almost died." She continues, I got through high school by being tutored in the hospital. As my graduation ceremony took place, I was kept behind locked doors. The school principal had communicated to my team that I was too much of a liability for them to have at the ceremony. I celebrated that special day in the quiet room, staring out of a shatterproof window. I was accepted into college, but had no desire to go. The month prior to college starting, I was in a meeting with my treatment team at the hospital. They went through a list of reasons why I should not go. They said I would not succeed and they did not believe that I would even survive my first year. I might as well have given up. Yet with the love and support of my family and friends, I was able to find a space within me that wanted to continue. This space at first was barely visible, but as time went on and as I took risks and challenged myself, this little space began to grow. Five years ago, I walked into this sanctuary not knowing what to expect. I remember being taken aback in hearing that the sermon that morning was on survivorship. How did she know? It has been a long struggle for me to get to where I am. I am now working full time in a profession for which I have a passion. I am not a label. I am not a diagnosis. And depression does not define me. I am not dead. I am here, alive, and feeling blessed to share my experience with you. Please know that you are not alone. Depression is way too big a subject for one morning. Even broken up into what it is, what causes it, and how it's treated, only some of which is understood, would take days. What we hope to speak to this morning is that it is. It's impossible not to carry some of the stigma from the outside world into this sanctuary with us. Part of my vision for this beloved community is that we make a spiritual practice of addressing hard topics. We practice speaking of difficult things here so that we might go out into the world with courage and conviction, speaking with our lives of the world in which we want to live. Our goal this morning is to open the closet door of depression and let the light of this beloved community shine in and drive away the shame and silence and isolation that compounds the challenges of living with mental illness. And we want to offer hope.
3: Good morning. My name is Molly Uline. i probably suffered from depression since I was a teenager or younger. I remember moodiness, elation, and tears. My mother tells me I used to cry every night must have been difficult for her to live with me. 1981 was not a good year for me. In February, I became depressed and spent five weeks in the hospital. I didn't know where I was. I hadn't slept in many weeks, and I hadn't eaten and had lost about 20 pounds. I was diagnosed with depression. Uh, My mood was very black as Winston Churchill described his depression. I felt like scratching my face. I felt a lot of pain in my head and low self-esteem made it difficult for me to hold my head up high. I didn't like myself very much. I suffered deep, deep pain in my soul. I felt no one cared for me. It was difficult to care for myself. I felt or thought that I had nothing to live for. I was lethargic and unmotivated. I could not get out of bed. I felt a great deal of stress and anxiety and could not sleep or eat. In sum, my view of my life and myself were very negative. I didn't know if I would ever recover, but I resolved to do so. Having a chronic mental illness seemed like such a bleak way to live, whether or not medication would be successful. I was lucky. First, I had health insurance, and I was lucky to have a good doctor. He watched over me carefully and treated me with great sensitivity. He tried hard to keep me healthy. Second, I had disability insurance. I was able to pay for my rent. As for many, medication was an issue. As I began to recover, I didn't see the need. But after a setback, I agreed to take lithium. That worked well for many years. Eventually, I went back to work and started temping. Work is very therapeutic for me. After six months on the job, I worked my way into a position at one of Harvard's graduate schools where I helped execute plans for commencement. I found many friends there. In the acute phase, depression disrupts your life and destroys relationships. I had a 10 year relationship which ended quite painfully. I met a man and told him on our first date that I suffered from a mental illness and he said he would never hurt me. We married several years later. However, he encouraged me to use self-control rather than take the medicine. Because of this lack of support during my marriage, I suffered regularly from dark depression, lack of motivation, and so self- low self-esteem. Even now, when I look at photographs taken during that period, I remember vividly how I felt behind my smile. I felt very, very sad and hopeless. It was painful. It was only until after my divorce that I could attend to my own health. It took some time to become stable. Eventually, I found a good mix of medicine. Over time, it began to work reliably. As I became more stable and independent, I began to feel better. It took a while. I developed some friendships that I value, and met a few people to whom I could talk. The major problem was a weight gain of 50 pounds. The first few years after my divorce were difficult. I took a very high pressure job. My employer knew about my illness because I had taken some time off. They were neither understanding nor supportive. It makes it more difficult to keep an even keel when the pressure is on. So I changed jobs. There are several things that help me recover. Of course medicine, if it works for you and you choose to take it, is critical. Unfortunately, there can be side effects. But I urge you to stick to it if you choose. If the medicine doesn't work, seek out alternative therapies or experimental therapies like ECT. Another thing is to surround yourself with emotional supports, like a pastor and church, family, friends, therapists, including, including cognitive therapists, and th- therapy and support groups. I don't have to tell you to stay away from drugs and alcohol. Finally, recover from an acute episode takes time, patience, and a lot of prayer. To those who have depression or other mental illnesses, I hope my story will be helpful to you. I also hope that others will deepen their understanding of these maladies. I have a treatable but chronic disease. Others will be helped by new medicines in the future. Thank you.
0: I'm Michael Orczak. People who don't understand depression often ask, what are you depressed about? Not understanding that depression is a disease. It's a chemical imbalance in the brain. So even if everything in your life is going great, it can strike you down. And I think that's something that's really hard for people who haven't suffered depression to understand. I think it's hard for people to really comprehend how crippling depression can be. All those simple everyday tasks that we all take for granted can become unbelievably difficult. And I mean the really basic things. Cooking food, doing laundry, paying bills. I've had trouble during really bad spells, maintaining a simple phone conversation with close friends, getting out of bed in the morning. I mean, the sense of gloom and hopelessness that overwhelms your soul is not something that you can fight on your own. Too many of us try to fight depression ourselves, and it's usually a losing battle. Probably the worst mistake that many of us make is to self-medicate with alcohol or other drugs, and they only aggravate the problem. And I'm not sure why, but so many of us resist medication. I suffered throughout the 1980s because I didn't want to take anything. It wasn't until I suffered a really severe depression in 1992 that I had no choice and I agreed to try antidepressants. And that brings me to the next problem The first antidepressant that gets tried usually doesn't work. In fact it can take years, in my case it took decades, of trying different drugs or medications in a combination to find something that actually works. And when you're already going through a really difficult time this process can be very, very frustrating. Some medications work and then only for a period of time and then they'll fade out. Others have side effects that are unbearable, And when you're going through a tough time, that can be very difficult. And some can actually make your depression worse. And all of this is provided that you have prescription drug coverage, which at various periods of time, I did not have. So if you add up all of the difficulty of going through basic daily tasks, the social stigma of a mental illness, the fact that medications react differently in different people, the poor quality of our health care system in general, especially with regard to mental health, You begin to get the picture as to how hard depression can be to actually combat. It truly is a brutal disease. As to the lessons I've learned, don't go it alone. You really can't. Don't give into the darkness. Suicidal thoughts and tendencies come with the territory. And as hard as it is, you have to hold on, resist, and wait it out. And I've, I've, sorry, excuse me. I've been through more failed medications than you can imagine, you really do have to keep on trying. As to the spiritual aspect of all of this, from my personal experience, I can say that my two plus years here at Arlington Street Church have helped me a great deal. If I think back over the sermons that I've heard, the message that has come through, most clear to me, I would have to say, is that we can best find happiness or salvation through service to others. That's the core theme that I have taken from the sermons I've heard here. Getting more involved, doing, climbing outside of yourself has been part of what has helped me most get an upper hand on my depression. Thank you.
2: I wanna close by focusing very briefly on those lessons Lifting up four practices that help tip the balance from the black hole of depression back toward the light. First of all, healing begins with asking for help. Do not hide out. Tell someone you are in trouble. The hopelessness you feel is the disease speaking, and it's lying. There is always hope speak up. Second, say yes to help. Everyone agrees alcohol and recreational drugs are not helpful. They will only stir up their own brew of trouble. Counseling, medication, and electroconvulsive therapy have meant the difference between life and death for many, many people. Help may not always come in packaging you like, but it is the first step on the long road home. Third, make a decision to participate in your own recovery. I know you may not want to get out of bed, let alone to walk. For depression, Vietnamese activist and Zen master Thich Nhat Hanh prescribes walking. Walk on the earth, he says. A study at Duke University found that three sessions of vigorous aerobic exercise a week proved about as effective at beating back depression as daily doses of Zoloft, and that depressed patients who got better with exercise were less likely to relapse than those helped by antidepressants. For starters, whether or not you care, walk as if your life depends on it. It may. And finally, fourth, whatever you can do to throw your weight to the side of life, do it. Maybe that means forcing yourself to adhere to an exercise, eating, sleeping regime that feels like boot camp. Maybe that means showing up and serving dinner here to our hungry and homeless neighbors on Friday night, giving service and remembering that you are not alone in your suffering. Service saves. My spiritual companions living with depression is a spiritual practice, a spiritual discipline. It demands an unconditional devotion to life, even in the face of hopelessness and faithlessness. With depression, either you have it or it has you. It has you if you give in to its siren song, tempting you to believe that there is no meaning You have it if you put one foot in front of the other and are determined to choose life. Make of your recovery a spiritual practice, no matter what. Choose life. We are here to walk with you and to remind you that it matters that you are here. Amen.